her years of experience and dedication to guide you through the world of estate planning, probate, wills, and more. Now here's your host, Kathy Rue. Everyone, thanks for tuning in to It's the Law with Kathy Rue. We are at the top of the noon hour this afternoon on a happy Monday, today, September 19th. And today's show, we're going to talk about understanding the probate process. If I sound a little lispy today, it's because I've got some braces on my teeth and they're getting in the way. So (laughs) be patient with me. If you don't understand, call in, email, tell me you don't understand, and I'm happy to repeat it for you. Today, I'm here in the studio with Kevin Ebeling. Good morning, Kathy. Good morning. And also with Zach Lewis. You know, being that it's 12 o'clock, it's a good afternoon, Kathy. Good afternoon. Oh, <laughs> by a matter of minutes. That's how we start the show. I yeah. apologize. Well, Kathy, <laughs> i got to be okay. honest. I didn't even notice the braces when you came in. I, I was surprised you, yeah, you. you said them. So, no, I, I, I think you sound great. Thanks, like always. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks a lot. I just, I'm self-conscious because I, I hear a little lisp in my voice. So, sure. that's where it's coming from. <laughs> I just want to let everybody who's listening and at uh, realnewscn.com on the stream. Let them know that uh, if you want to watch us on video, you can see Kathy live on her Facebook page and you can message and kind of join the show with us and let us know what's on your mind. Yes, yes, I'm blowing kisses. Tune in. I'm happy to see you. I want you guys to see me as I talk and give you all this wonderful legal information. It's a good thing. So, uh, Kathy, I guess let's just jump right into it, if that's cool with you. Last time we talked about guardianship, kind of guardianship 101, a crash course, as it were, taught Kevin and I a lot. This week, we're talking about probate, and I got to be honest, just like guardianship, I, I don't know what probate means. I, I feel I feel bad. I should have done my uh, my homework before the show. But you are the expert, so I want to ask you: What is probate, and and what does the probate process involve? Good question. Um, probate is the act or process of proving a will. Um, it's also the process where your estate is gathered up and distributed to your heirs and it can be done as a result of probating a will if you die and you leave a will in place or if you die without a will the process is still considered a probate process and your estate will be administered if necessary and it passes through the legal system it passes through the court system so the process begins with an application that's filed generally in a statutory probate court one. Uh, We have several here in the Metroplex. And so you would file it in the the probate court and um, have your hearing set, have a personal representative appointed over the estate. That can either be an executor or it can be an administrator or an administratrix. And then that person has certain fiduciary duties and obligations in relationship to the estate, um, making sure creditors are paid, making sure assets are gathered and maintained and protected, and then making sure the estate is properly distributed to the beneficiaries of the estate. Right. Now, I know we've talked about estates before in previous episodes, I and mean, pretty much every one, um, being an, uh, an estate attorney. Uh, so I wanted to ask, um, just for people who are just now tuning in or maybe haven't heard an episode before, what is an estate? Well, the estate is the interest that belongs to the decedent um, at the time of their death in terms of uh, property. So it can consist of any interest they have in real property, any interest they have in personal property, and it's usually composed of both probate and non-probate assets. Right, and I know we had talked about it in relation to... 
let's see, wills and guardianship and a couple other things. Yes, yes. So, you know, you're going to have, if you think of your estate as a pie, for example, and if you divide that pie into two, at least two parts, you're going to have your probate part, which are the assets that are controlled by your will and pass according to your will. And those are assets like um, real property, real estate, your homestead, um, personal property such as your car, uh, any jewelry, clothing, household furnishings. Um, It could also be any collections that you have. If you have baseball cards, if you have coin collections, Anything like that, that's considered your probate assets. And then your non-probate assets are going to be those assets that pass according to a beneficiary designation. So those are the assets you've created under a contract with a third party. For example, a bank account, a life insurance policy, a pension, a 401k plan, uh, any other type of retirement plan, uh, CDs, those type of assets are considered non-probate because you've created them um, as a result of a contract with a third party, and they're going to pass according to a beneficiary designation. Most times people will designate in a written agreement who they want those particular assets to go to upon their death. Um, The exception to that is when no beneficiary is designated, and then under those circumstances, generally those assets will pass um, to your estate, and then under those circumstances will be controlled by your will. So who determines the executor of an estate? The person who is making out their will, and that is called the testator. And they designate when they are preparing their will, they designate a name in the will who they want to serve as the executor. And most times you're going to have the first choice, which is the person who will be named as the executor. And then you'll have at least one, maybe two successor executors, um, just in case the first person that's named is unable to serve for any reason. It could be due to illness. It could be due to absence from the state. Um, It could be that they just do not want to handle the responsibility that's involved with administering an estate. So you always want to name at least one successor executor in your will. Of course. And in the case, it's probably uh, not as unique as it should be if everything you know went as smoothly as it did in the world. Uh, what if there is no will? Who, who, who would take care of it then? If there's no will, then the decedent dies uh, intestate. That's the legal terminology testate. that you use. Intestate. Intestate. Yes. If oh, there's okay. a will, they die testate. If there's no will, they die intestate. Ah. So if there's no will, the courts will appoint... Um, an administrator or an administratrix to manage the estate and administer it, make sure creditors are paid, make sure assets are gathered, protected, and then distributed to beneficiaries. Right. And in the unique case of uh, there being, well, I suppose it's not that unique. In the case of there being an executor, if somebody assigned on their will, uh, if that person wasn't to make it in court, if something would happen to them, unfortunately, uh, there would be a backup, correct? Typically, it's good for somebody to assign a backup. Yes, yes. I, you know, when I'm doing estate planning for my clients, I always request that they name at least one successor executor. 
um, just in case the executor that's named for some reason is unable to serve, then there's at least one backup. Um, and if neither of the executors or if, if none of the executors named in the will uh, can serve or will serve, then you are faced with the situation of a, appointing an administrator. So I've been wrong about stuff like this before, but I wanted to ask, um, it sounds less important, but it may not be. Uh, what is the difference between an executor and a personal representative? Well, there's really not much of a difference. All right, so um, I wasn't you that can, far off. <laughs> <laughs> no, you aren't. Um, actually, you're very close. Um, a personal representative is a broader category or a broader name for the person who administers an estate. So think of a personal representative as um, the, the top of the line, and then under that category, you can have either an executor or you can have an administrator. If there's a will in, that's, been, that's being probated, generally the person who serves over the estate is named the executor. Right. And that's the terminology that's used in the will. If there's no will, that's when they will call the personal representative an administrator, or if it's a female, an administratrix. But if you say personal representative, that's sort of like a global or broader term for someone who is administering an estate. So I like to think of myself as a, a responsible individual. So let's let's play out a hypothetical scenario here. Say something, okay. God forbid, were to happen to Mr. Kevin Ebeling over Kevin, here. Kevin, you're and, up. You and your liver are hey, up. Hey, I'm fine. <laughs> and I, yeah, God forbid, were named uh, executor of his estate. Now, as an executor of his estate, and I know we only have a couple of minutes here, so it's probably the last question for this segment, but would... I have to appear in court, or can I just have an attorney do that for me? I'm I'm, I'm one of those nervous guys when it comes to showing up in court. You know what I mean? Sure, yeah, that's an excellent question. Don't you want to question. avoid litigation? Right. <laughs> you don't want to be in on that. At least I think, right? Actually, I get that question quite often when clients come to me um, and want to consult with me about probating someone's estate. That is one of the common questions they ask: Do I have to appear in court? And the short answer is yes. Oh. If you are the applicant and you're trying to probate someone's estate regardless of whether you're probating a will or the person has died without a will and you're trying to probate the estate, if you're the applicant, you're going to have to appear in court before the judge and testify as to the facts in your application. So the short answer is Yes, Zach, you Aww. will need to be in court standing next to me while I ask you questions <laughs> okay, well, that you will have so to bad. answer affirmatively. We, we, we've done the question answer thing before. I, yes. think, I think I might be okay. All right, I, I could stand that. I and think. depending on the circumstances of your particular case, you may or may not need an additional witness. Um, sometimes in, in some situations, you may need two witnesses. Um, so it just depends on whether the will is self-proved, whether there are any uh, wrinkles, you know, any little issues that require additional testimony in order to prove up the will. Sure. So you may have to get uh, the witnesses who signed the attestation clause, and you may have to get the notary to come in and testify. It just depends on the circumstances of the case. Um, I am getting a signal from Kevin that we're up for a break. Thank you all for tuning in to my show this afternoon, this Monday afternoon. And uh, we look forward to coming back and answering more questions about the probate process. It's the law with Kathy Rue continues next on RNCN. Hi, this 
This is Jean Burke with College Prep Genius. Colleges go up on their rankings because of test scores. When your student has a great score, they can get free college. I am giving away my 15 secrets to free college. Go to my website, collegeprepgenius.com. Click on 15 secrets to free college and use the code radio. You're going to learn the secret formula that colleges use to get you free college. So again, that's www.collegeprepgenius.com. For America's wounded warriors, coming home can sometimes be a battle in itself. Making the transition back to civilian life or active duty with a traumatic injury can be the challenge of a lifetime. The USO provides every American a way to support our wounded warriors and their families through every phase of their medical treatment and rehabilitation. It's how all of us, as a community, can give something back to our heroes. It's how we can say thank you and assure them that their sacrifice is recognized and appreciated by every one of us. Join us. Visit USO.org to learn how you can make a difference in the lives of our wounded warriors and their families. The USO. Until everyone comes home. Hi, I'm Graham, inventor of the Sneak Guard. Our homes are full of adventure snoopers. They go through everything until they find something they like. Children, roommates, babysitters, teens, pets, you name it. Snoopers are everywhere. Sneak Guard is the world's first purpose-built locking vacuum storage container designed to protect snoopers from the unintended ingestion of medications and more. Safe, responsible storage. Available now at sneakguard.com. S-N-E-A-K-G-U-A-R-D.com. Hi, I'm Sam Jackson. Cancer will strike more than 175,000 kids worldwide this year alone. This includes infants, children, teens, and young adults. The likelihood that teens and young adults will survive cancer is far greater when treated by pediatric oncologists. Survival can depend on treatment from experts in childhood cancer and a commitment to collaborative groundbreaking research. To learn more, go to stbaldrix.org or standuptocancer.org. Listening to RNCN, the number one source for premium talk radio. Broadcasting with the power of attorney. You're listening to It's the Law with Kathy Rue on RNCN. Thanks everyone for tuning in this afternoon to listen to the hardest working attorney in the Dallas Fort Worth it's Metroplex. True. It is true. <laughs> <laughs> it's a curse and a blessing. It is true. It's a curse and a blessing. I like that. Um, happy to be here this afternoon. It's a beautiful Monday afternoon with a clear blue sky outside. And um, if you are listening, please feel free to call us. Kevin, how can they reach us with if they have questions. If you want to call in, the number is 214-455-0534 or check us out on Facebook. You can watch the show live from there and submit any of your questions. That's facebook.com slash it's the law with Kathy Rue. Or you can email us at it's the law with Kathy Rue at gmail.com. That's it's the law with Kathy Rue. No apostrophe, two W's. It's the law with Kathy Rue at gmail.com. Believe Thank it or you. not, he didn't read that off a script. That was off the top of his head. He's a sharp guy. <laughs> and we had some technical difficulties 
Pisces earlier. My fault. Uh, <laughs> right. We're still adjusting to the video aspect of the show, so if it was bobbing up and down a little, sure. if, if anyone was the victim of motion sickness due any to us. Of, yeah, any kind of vertigo or anything. It was not my intention. Right, it should yeah. be smooth sailing from here. <laughs> That's okay. We still love you, Kevin. We still <laughs> want you to do Thanks, this. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to um, stick around. Yes, good. And please join us at Facebook. Tune in, log on, and go to my page. It's the law with Kathy Rue and give us a like click on that little blue thumbs up let us know that you're listening let us know that you like the show you find it informative and if you have any questions or concerns call us or send us an email so Kathy I wanted to ask um, just to kind of recap in the first segment there's one thing I wanted to make clear for anybody who might be a little lost in this stuff the decedent now the decedent I, I presume refers to the deceased the decedent is who you don't want to be in this situation <laughs> <laughs> yes typically that is correct, okay yeah. because then you wouldn't be here in the in a studio with us right, talking yeah. <laughs> the decedent <laughs> the decedent is a, a fancy term a legal term but it's a just a fancy term for the person who's passed away the the loved one that you've lost um generally that person is referred to as the decedent that's whose will is being probated that's whose estate is being probated and so that's who the application um, is filed in terms of probating the estate. Now, we had a little bit of a hypothetical situation going earlier. If something, God forbid, were to happen to Kevin and I was named his ex- what executive that to me? estate, because liver. you happen to be the <laughs> scapegoat, man. I don't know what to tell you. Um, if something were to happen and I was named executor of his estate, that would make him the decedent. And I wanted to ask because um, you know, I'm a little, a little scared about going into court. It's a little intimidating. You sure. know, a judge, a gavel, all that good stuff. Um, how long does it typically take for an executor uh, or how long do you have to probate a decedent's estate? That's a great question. In terms of the deadline to actually probate a will, um, the there's a, a Texas Estates Code has a statute which sets forth a four-year deadline to probate a decedent's will. Um, that deadline runs from the time you are aware that there is a will. So if four years have passed and after the four-year deadline from the date of death has that has expired and you come across the decedent's will because you were unpacking boxes or sure. packing boxes or moving furniture whatever you still may have the opportunity to probate the estate because you didn't discover it until after that deadline but the the general rule is that you have four years from the decedent's date of death to probate the will. And of course, there are some exceptions. Um, There's some case law out there that says if you relied on the advice of an attorney who told you that you didn't need to probate the will, that could be a reason why you were in default in not probating it within that four-year period. So there are some very uh, small few exceptions uh, for probating a, trying to probate a will outside of that four-year deadline another example would be if there were um, properties or assets in the hands of a third party and you needed to probate the will in order to recover that on behalf of the estate right so those are three examples where you could possibly probate the will outside of the four-year statute of limitations but the general rule and it's best to follow that is is closely as you can the general rule is that if you know the decedent has a written will you should probate it that's my suggestion it's my recommendation if there's a will you should always probate it 
and you need to do it within four years from the date of the decedent's death. Now, something I want to do, because you bring up an interesting point here. This is probably something we can do a whole show on, honestly. Uh, say you don't find somebody's will. I mean, the, okay. let's say their estate is distributed accordingly, and then like two or three years later, you find it. Now, I mean, this, this individual's car has gone to somebody. I assume their house has gone to somebody else. Everything's been distributed accordingly, and then you find a will. What happens? Is all that stuff just reclaimed and given out accordingly to wherever it goes? I mean, is it just kind of, hey, let sleeping dogs lie? Uh, what's, what's the skinny? I think it's going to depend in, that, in those circumstances on whether or not there's a dispute, whether or not the will is different from the distribution under um, the intestate process because <clears throat> if the w- if the estate is probated and it's probated it because the decedent was intestate meaning that the decedent died without a will then you're going to follow the statutory scheme for the state of Texas which sets forth how the decedent's property should be distributed. It says who the heirs are under certain circumstances, if they're left the surviving spouse, if they left children, if all of the children are of the marriage, if all of the children are not of the marriage, what share they get, how much every person gets. So if the newly found will is inconsistent with the distribution of the property, um, then you would want to file an application in court, uh, file a bill of review perhaps to have that original order set aside and file an application to probate the will and have the estate distributed accordingly. That's gonna be a very involved process, I'm sure a contested process. Uh, I don't know that at that point, several years later, you would be able to recover the property from the third parties. Um, so the, the, those are some very intricate, complex issues of course. that you've raised. Well, yeah, <laughs> that being said, I wanted to say shout out to yourself, Kathy, uh, for what you do, because this stuff can sound so intimidating to the layman, and you, you make it sound so easy. Uh, so let's let's just jump back in oh, this a little bit. Um, yeah, say, oh, I'm I, sorry. I think it, I'm sorry. I, I think it would be very difficult if the estate's been distributed and, and years have passed yeah. to try to go back to those people who got the estate right. and recover that property. You may be able to do it, but the question becomes. Is it worth it? Because sure. the money that you're going to have to pay to recover that property could possibly offset the value of the property you're trying to recover. Right. Um, the other thing is you would still want to probate the will for future purposes because, um, d- and I hate to say it this way, it's not the best way to say it, but dead people can inherit property. Which is hard to believe. <laughs> so yeah. You would want to probate the will, um, try to get it proved up and get an order saying that that's a valid will of the decedent uh, in the event that the person inherited property down the line or in the future to make sure that the beneficiaries under the will would get that property. So, and this is kind of an off-the-wall question, but, but I imagine another thing that people have to worry about is, is the question of whether or not property after the fact is now yours or still the decedent's. I mean, if, if something happens to my father and he leaves me a, a Lamborghini and two years later it turns out, no, 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 it's supposed to go to my sister, is it still technically his? Or since I've had it for a couple of years, is it mine? I mean, what's the score there? But on another topic, 
if say the decedent has creditors. Well, wait, let's get back to that Lamborghini. You, 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 you want to stick on that one for a second? Okay, <laughs> all right, yeah, sure. You kind of hooked me in when you said Lamborghini. <laughs> right. Oh, I know, it's such a cool car. <laughs> it is, it really is. Let's yeah. talk about that for a few minutes. Okay, sure. What yeah. color is it? Red. <laughs> yeah. Cherry red. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say yellow, but you know. Oh, sure. Or what white a, like Don Johnson in Miami Vice. <laughs> with, with about a dozen clear coats and maybe some speckle flake gold oh, on man, it or I something. I love this sound. I wish I had one of these. <laughs> God forbid. Um, yeah, no. If 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 somebody were to leave you property, and this is com- uh, completely hypothetical, and then a will comes out a couple years later, and it turns out, hey, that property should have gone to this other person. Couldn't you make the case that since that was left to you for two years, that property is now yours? I mean, you could have been making car payments on this thing. You could. I mean, again, you would have to probate the will. You'd have to get the original order set aside because remember, you've got an order in place uh, probating the decedent's estate right. as an intestate proceeding because you didn't know a will existed. So the first step is getting that order set aside and then probating the will and getting a new order saying that this is the valid will and this is how the property should be distributed. It should have gone to you, Zach, instead of your long lost cousin in, I don't know, wherever. Okay, (laughs) sub-question. Say I get left a Lamborghini and I wreck it and then it turns out it's my sister's. Does she get rewarded some kind of damages? I know this is getting very intricate here. I, I should think, probably start to back out of this. We only have a couple of minutes left in this segment. Well, I think you would have to show if you wanted to recover damages, I think you would have to show some level of bad faith sure. on um, your part mm-hmm. that you somehow defrauded the estate because you knew there was a will or you had knowledge of it, but right. you went ahead and probated the estate as an intestate proceeding in mm-hmm. order to get the property. Um, I think that just from an equity standpoint, if no one knew the will existed right. and no one had any knowledge or any intent of malice or any or anything intent, like that. Let, yeah. yeah, let's say it was something he handwritten and he never talked about, and so no one had any inclination whatsoever that a will existed, and the estate was probated as an intestate proceeding. I think that your sister would have a very difficult time. Uh, recovering damages from you. Now, you would still, if you wreck the car, you would still have the obligation to restore it to its original condition because you're responsible for driving it and you're liable for wrecking it. But she could probably recover the car from you once the will was probated. Huh. Well, thanks for uh, thanks for jumping down yes, that rabbit hole I with had, me. I appreciate yes, it. Yes, when you when you put a Lamborghini in there, I had to oh, jump down. I, I had to follow you down a, that uh, racetrack around car. the racetrack <laughs> <laughs> at, at 130 miles an hour. Of <laughs> We're about to go to break, everyone. Thank you for tuning in. We're having a lot of fun here. Check out my Facebook page, Kathy Rue. It's the law, hardest working attorney in DFW. Happy to answer your questions. We'll be right back. More of it's the law next on RNC. Who says green can't be clean? Here's a tip that many professional home cleaning services already know. You can power through the grime in less time with our 100% naturally safe speed cleaning products. Don't waste your time with the products that don't work. Our non-toxic cleaners are safe around pets and people, yet tough on dirt. If you want to clean your home in half the time, visit speedcleaning.com and sign up for our speed cleaning tip of the week. 
Hi, I'm Danny O'Connell. I'm partner at Benefit Resource Group, a family-owned boutique insurance agency. BRG is one of the leading boutique agencies here in Dallas-Fort Worth. Our mission is to add value to our clients' and employees' lives through creative insurance solutions. When you start going upstream to a regional or even a national-type provider, the decisions over who they're going to work with and where they're going to place their business is decided around a boardroom. A lot of times, they're not always aligning with the best service provider in the space that you actually need. Numerous times they've already made an agreement and that service provider may take for granted the service that they actually have to deliver to the client in the end and they may not always be the best in your area or for your situation. Being a boutique, we are independent. We have the flexibility to go out and find the right solution specific to you. It's always a good time to sit down and speak with one of our agents. You can reach us at 214-750-7557 and you can find us on the web at brg-tx.com. This is my car. I mean, it's nothing fancy, but it's nice. Nice. Gets me to work and to the mall, though it's kind of trash with all my stuff. Stuff. I swear there must be 30 CDs laying around in my workout bag. Oh, and my laptop. Laptop. Like I said, a mess, right? It's perfect. But it's perfect for me. Good gas mileage, and once it's paid off, all mine. All mine. Hey, want to go for a drive? Let me get my purse. Just be a second. Just takes a second. Where you are, they are. Last year in Texas, car thieves stole roughly 100,000 cars and trucks and burglarized thousands more. They look for anything of value inside or if you left your keys or failed to lock the doors. When you leave your vehicle, hide your things, lock your car, and take your keys. Remember, you hold the key. Okay, I'm back. And my car? Where's my car? This warning from the Texas Auto Burglary and Theft Prevention Authority. Hi, this is Nate Dodson of the Dodson Legal Group. We are a team of attorneys out to ensure that all clients are put in the best position possible. We found that attorneys in the market fail at providing ongoing information and updates to their clients, and we work diligently to be the better option in keeping our clients informed as their cases move forward. For a free consult, please call us at 469-317-3330. That's 469-317-3330. The digital destination for premium talk radio. You're tuned into It's the Law with Kathy Rue on RNCN. Hello, everyone. We're back. It's the Law with Kathy Rue. I've been practicing law for over 20 years. I'm licensed to practice law in both Louisiana and in Texas. My practice consists mostly of probate, estate planning, guardianship, elder law, Um, but I also have a general civil practice where I handle other types of civil matters such as family law issues, divorce, child custody, child support, collection defense, consumer protection issues, foreclosures, evictions, IRS tax controversies, um, any type of civil matter either at the state court level or the federal court level. Basically, the only type of cases I don't do are criminal cases. We're back this afternoon with our radio segment, It's the Law. I've got Kevin Ebley. Hello, hello. Hello. And Zach Lewis in the studio with me. Oh, hey. Hey. And uh, <laughs> Zach has really been asking me some tough 
questions this afternoon. Yeah, you know, they say you should throw softball questions in interviews. I'm throwing curves today, yeah. and it's great. It is great, because <laughs> right, well, I'm getting home runs. I'm making all the announcements, so I just I also want to let all of our listeners know that you can now find us on iTunes if you want to hear any of Kathy's previous episodes, and if you feel so inclined, go ahead and give us a rating and write a review. It only takes a couple seconds, and uh, we'd love to see what you have to say. Also, if you have any questions for us, you can email us at it's the law with Kathy Rue at gmail.com. That it, that's it's the law with Kathy Rue. No apostrophe, two W's. It's the law with Kathy Rue at gmail.com. Thanks, guys. You yeah. should definitely want to listen to because most people got to pay for this kind of stuff. Believe it or not, Kathy Rue this offers, is free offers her podcasting free. service pro bono. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and if you want to talk directly to me and you don't feel comfortable with calling into the radio show, you can reach me at 817-874-8877. That's my office phone number. Or you can go to my website, www.kathyrulaw.com. Or they can email you at Kathy at kathyrulaw.com. That's correct. All right. Thank oh you, Kevin. Gosh. Yeah. <laughs> We're all so many ways to get to me. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to write this all down somewhere. <laughs> That's right. So to jump right back into this, I wanted to ask, just to clarify, because I know last segment, we got a little all over the place. What exactly does an executor do? Okay. That's a good question. Um, the executor is responsible for managing the decedent's estate, gathering up the decedent's assets wherever they may be so some of the assets could be in texas some of them could be outside of the state of texas and um, maintaining the assets so that they don't deteriorate they have to use a reasonable um, a reasonable means to maintain the the estate for example if there's a, a homestead involved or if there's a house or if there's some real property or a car they can't just let it deteriorate they have to maintain it to the condition it was left in at the time the decedent passed away sure and um then finally distributing those assets according to um whether or not you know a will was probated the wishes of the decedent in the will or if no will was found or probated then according to uh who state law says are the beneficiaries of the decedent. Um, generally, that's going to be the surviving spouse and the children. Now, something that happens probably far too often in the good old U.S. of A., uh, people have creditors. People have debt. It's a thing. All right, everybody's got a little bit, I think. Yes. Uh, so, in the case of being an executor, if you have to notify, or do you have to notify a decedent's creditors, would I notify them? Would somebody else? Uh, how would that happen? I mean, yes, the executor does. That's part of the process of administering the estate. And so the executor is charged with the legal responsibility of notifying the decedent's creditors. And what this means is that once the executor is appointed officially, they've taken their oath, they've been sworn in as the personal representative, and they've posted any bond that's been required, then at that point, they become a fiduciary of the estate, and they have a deadline within which to notify the creditors. They do this by posting a ad in a newspaper that circulates throughout the county. A newspaper ad, wow. Yes, and it basically says that the estate is being probated, and if you have any type of a claim against the estate as a creditor, you need to send it to either the executor or any agent that's been appointed 
um, to represent the executor. Because sometimes you'll have a situation where the executor lives out of state. They'll live in a different state, but they'll have a relative that has died here. Um, Oftentimes you'll have grown adults whose parents still reside in Texas, but they live maybe in California, Michigan, Florida, and um, they will they will be named in the will as the executor and they will be appointed by the court as the executor. But because they live out of state, they need, they need to appoint a resident agent. So that uh, resident agent would get the notice to creditors or receive notice to creditors. And that's the most you're required by court to do is post something in a newspaper? That's not the most. There are some other notices that you may have to comply with. It just depends on the circumstances of the case. There are required notices. This one where you're posting a notice in the newspaper is a required notice. There are also permissive notices that you can send to unsecured creditors. So if you're aware that there are outstanding medical bills, or if you're aware that there are outstanding department store credit cards or visas or masks, any type of an unsecured creditor or unsecured debt, Mm -hmm. you can send them a permissive notice letting them know the same information that the decedent has passed away, that the estate is being probated, and that if this entity has a claim against the estate, they need to submit that claim to either the executor or the executor's agent. Um, the reason for sending out these notices, it's really important, it's critical to do, it's required by law. But one of the reasons that's advantageous to the beneficiaries or to the estate is that it starts a statute of limitations running. And so once you post that notice in the newspaper, that means that the creditor has a limited amount of time within which to file a claim against the estate. And if the creditor fails to do to file their claim within that time limit, then they're prevented from making a claim against the estate. Right. Now, I'm so, a big believer in paying back what you borrow, that kind of system. But I'm curious here. You said some of these things, some of these uh, notices are permissive. You don't have to. Now, you can, but you don't have to. Now, in yes. the case of saying somebody owes money to a big box company like Visa, if you don't send them a notice and they don't hit you up within a certain number of days... Do you, do you just walk off scot-free? I yeah. mean, no way. Yeah, so like right? a statute of limitations on something I just, like I'm that? Curious. I'm yeah, curious. Yeah, I'm like, is, is there really a way to beat the system here, assuming you're dead? <laughs> well, with the permissive notices, again, you know, if you know that there's creditors out there, you'll want to send them a notice to put them on notice and start the uh, statute of limitations sure. running. Um, if it because it's permissive you don't have to do it right so you should you sh- i think you should be because it gives them a deadline within which to file their claim and right. if you don't if they don't file their claim after you've notified them then they're prevented from filing a claim um, if you don't send them the permissive notice they could come in at a later date and file a claim. Right. So it's probably best to just notify them, get it over with, let them file their claim, determine whether or not it is a valid claim and needs to be paid. Right. Now, as far as creditors go, I mean, it's a big, it's a big question I usually have in every, every show that we do here. I I have a little bit of, I'll I'll be honest here. I'll let people peek behind the curtain. I got a little bit of student loan debt after college. I mean, who doesn't? And, one of the clauses in my student loan debt is if something were to happen to me and, and I were to pass away, uh, I believe my student loan debt, for the most part, would be forgiven. Now, a lot of companies probably don't have as lenient a policy, or maybe they do, but 
say you have a bunch of creditors out, you know, out for somebody's estate, uh, you know, a handful. This is somebody who lived fast and loose, I'll assume. And, uh, you know, everybody, everybody kind of wants a piece at the end. If there's not enough estate to go around, what happens? What do you mean in terms of you having more student debt? No, 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 no. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah, the, the student debt thing <laughs> was was a weird uh, weird line to go off of. Uh, let's let's say somebody has an estate worth um, hundred thousand dollars. Okay. And both Visa and Mastercard are owed hundred thousand dollars from that person. Okay. Do they just split split down the middle and that's the end of that? Or well, does, you're does somebody get, does an executor owe them? Or? No, you're only going to get what the value of the estate is. Right. It's so the most you can get. Yeah. Right. So I think they're precluded from getting anything further, um, but you have to be careful because. As a beneficiary, if you accept any benefit from the estate, you could be liable for the creditors as well. Wow. So you have to be careful. And in a case like that where you've got such a large amount of debt and the estate is not worth very much, uh, one option is to do a disclaimer. And so you could do a disclaimer and not you know, accept right. any benefit from the estate. All right, well, that so. is an option. Okay, so one more thing I wanted to ask, and we only have about a minute and a half left. Okay. Um, and you mentioned this earlier, if a decedent has been dead for more than four years, is is there any kind of option to still probate the, the decedent's estate, or is it just like, well, four years is it, that's that? Yeah, we talked about that a little bit. A little There's bit, yeah. still some options. Um, you still may be able to probate the... If you... Uh, okay, the general rule, the hard and fast rule is that... Um, if there's a will, if the decedent died and left a will, you should probate it within four years from the date of the decedent's death. Um, if you, there are some exceptions to that four-year deadline. Um, we talked about a few of those earlier. One exception is if you discover the will uh, at a later date, perhaps outside of that four-year statute of limitations, um, then you're not necessarily in default. You have to prove that in court as the applicant, you have the burden of showing that you're outside um, the four years, right. but you're not at fault for being outside the four years because you didn't know a will existed. Mm -hmm. Another exception to that general rule of, of probating the will within four years from the date of death is uh, if a third party has property that belongs to the estate and you need to probate the will in order to recover that property. So um, another exception too is that you may not be able to do an administration, but you may be able to still probate the will outside of the four years as a muniment of title. And we are set to go to a break in a few seconds. So I just want to thank all of my listeners for staying with us this Monday afternoon and listening to us. We'll be right back with It's the Law and Kathy Rue. Providing you her will and testament for good radio. You're tuned in to It's the Law with Kathy Rue on RNCN. CN, the number one source for premium talk radio. Hi, this is Jean Burke with College Prep Genius. Colleges go up on their rankings because of test scores. When your student has a great score, they can get free college. I am giving away my 15 secrets to free college. Go to my website, collegeprepgenius.com. Click on 15 secrets to free college and use the code radio. You're going to learn the secret formula that colleges use to get you free college. So again, that's www.collegeprepgenius.com. Me? 
I started smoking when I was 13. I always thought when the time came, I could quit. No problem. Then at 28, I tried to go cold turkey and I found out how hard it really was. I made it all day without a smoke. <laughs> right until I met up with the guys. But I learned something that night. In fact, every time I tried to quit, there were more than a few, I learned a little more about what worked and what didn't work for me. And when I realized that I wasn't alone, that most people don't quit on their first or second attempt, I knew there was still hope. Today, I'm an ex-smoker. My only advice is to never, ever give up trying to quit. If you're trying to quit smoking, the American Lung Association is here to help every step of the way. Visit QuitterInYou.org for tools, tips, and stories from smokers we've helped to finally quit for good. The American Lung Association. We support the Quitter in You at QuitterInYou.org. The world of real estate moves fast and technology needs to be able to keep up with it. If agents and home buyers aren't able to communicate in real time, opportunities can swiftly be missed. With Locator, the communication gap has finally been bridged. Hi, I'm David Mays, co-founder of Locator. I've been a real estate broker for the past 10 years and came from the frustration of buyers not being able to reach agents instantaneously. So that's what we created on demand. Potential buyers now have the ability to immediately connect with a nearby agent, making the home buying process quick, easy, and convenient. Locator is free to download. Just grab your smartphone, open the app, see available agents in your area, and connect instantaneously. Real Locator is also the perfect tool for any real estate professional. For real estate professionals, it's a lead generating monster because, you know, you could be at the office doing paperwork and you're going to be able to generate these leads in real time. Download your free version of Real Locator on the Apple iTunes store today or visit the website at www.reallocator.com. Today, nearly half our nation's fighting forces are members of the Guard and Reserve. When they are called to active duty, they leave behind a family, a community, and a job. Employer support of the Guard and Reserve, a Department of Defense agency, honors and protects the bond between service members and their civilian employers. Whether serving our country or supporting those who do, we all serve. To learn more about ESGR, call 1-800-336-4590 or visit esgr.mil. You're listening to RNCN, the digital destination for premium talk radio. You're listening to It's the Law with Kathy Rue on RNCN. Welcome back, everyone. We're happy to have you joining us this Monday afternoon with It's the Law with Kathy Rue. I'm here in the studio with Kevin Ebling and Zach Lewis. Hey. Hi. Hey. And we are talking about the probate process. And Zach has been asking me uh, <laughs> questions about what exactly does an executor do? Before we went to break, I think right. we were talking about that a little bit and um, in terms of creditors and how the creditors affect an estate. Uh, just want to back up a little bit and say one of the duties, and it's a very important duty of an executor or a personal representative, as the case may be, is to inventory the estate property. So they have to prepare an inventory oftentimes uh, that lists out what property belongs to the decedent and what the value of the property is. Now, the Texas, and they have to file that inventory with the court. And that inventory has to be approved by the court. Um, there is also an option in lieu of filing that written inventory, listing out all of the property of the estate and the value of the property, um, that the executor may also file 
uh, what's called an affidavit in lieu of inventory. And what that does is it just says that the executor has prepared or the personal representative has prepared an inventory, has circulated it to the beneficiaries, but is not filing it with the court uh, in the probate proceeding. But regardless of whether the inventory is filed or whether the affidavit is filed with the court, the inventory still needs to be prepared and circulated to the beneficiaries. Right. You got to let the court know. Uh, well, I mean, what you know. Right? Well, you, yeah. <laughs> at a minimum, what it's what it's designed to do is is to let the beneficiaries know what assets the executor or the personal representative has come across that belongs to the decedent and what the value of those assets are, so that the beneficiaries have some idea what's in the estate and how much the estate is worth. Just like you were talking earlier about, you know, suppose you have an estate valued at $100,000. Well, the only way the beneficiaries are going to know that is if an inventory has been prepared listing out what assets are exactly in the estate and how did the value of the estate get to $100,000. Well, it's because it's got five or six different assets in it worth, you know, $20,000, $15,000 each. Okay. Something now, of that variation. Now, being an executor of an estate, I mean, there's a lot of little things you got to do here. It's a big job for anybody. I mean, that's it's why a really big job. It's got a lot of uh, traps in it, and it's a lot of responsibility. Definitely, because the uh, personal representative has a fiduciary responsibility to the beneficiaries. And, and sorry, go ahead. Well, and they're supposed <laughs> to keep them informed, and they're you know they're supposed to maintain the property. So, for example, if someone dies and they leave a home, you know you have to keep insurance on it um, if you want to try to sell it and distribute the proceeds the personal representative has to file an application for sale with the court and get that approved they have to file a report of sale so there's a lot of things that need to be done in terms of administering an estate so it's no small feat it's no small job it takes time and the best way to make it work is when everyone's cooperating because if people start fighting over assets or fighting over who owns what or who wants what, that's when the whole process can get even more complicated. Now, I think that's a perfect segue into my next question. What is the difference between an independent and dependent administration of an estate? Okay, that's a good question. There's two types of ways to administer an estate. You can do it independently or dependently. Uh, If you do an independent administration, that means that the court does not have very much supervision over what happens with the estate. So the executor basically uh, acts independently of the court. So they don't have to get permission to do certain things. They can just gather up the assets, maintain them, distribute them, and then close out the estate. And it's less costly, but you don't have the supervision of the court in place to make sure that the personal representative is doing what they're supposed to be doing. Um, Is that like the equivalent of just settling something out of court, kind of? Well, not necessarily. (laughs) You're still in court. Um, There's still some pleadings that you're going to have to file. Some notices and waivers have to go out and have to be filed with the court. And you still have to get the court order appointing the executor, probating the will, saying that it's a valid will. So you still have a court process in place. But it's It's not not as as rigorous rigorous. as it would be (laughs) in a dependent (laughs) administration. But the the personal representative still has to notify creditors, notify the beneficiary 
beneficiaries file an inventory or an affidavit in lieu of inventory uh, and manage the estate and still distribute it. So they're not relieved from those obligations. They just don't have the the court supervision that uh, exists in a dependent administration. That is a tall glass of water. That's a really tall, that's about a pitcher. Sometimes it can be a gallon. Yeah, that's, ooh, that's <laughs> that a lot to drink. Very, um, that can be a very involved process. Sure. Um, because it's court supervised. So any action that the personal representative takes in a dependent administration has to be approved by the court. Right. So the that means that the personal representative has to file a motion or an application with the court requesting permission to take a particular action and then get a court order approving it. Um, And so you want to use that type of administration if there are creditor problems, if there are feuding beneficiaries, or if there are difficult assets to manage. The benefit of using a dependent administration is that because the court is approving the actions of the personal representative, it sort of protects them from any liability by a beneficiary. Everybody's getting noticed. Everybody has an opportunity to object. Everybody knows what's going on. And once the court releases the executor, they're relieved of any liability um, in their capacity as the personal representative. So that's some of the dis- that's some of the advantages. One of the disadvantages of a dependent administration is because it's so rigorous, because you have to get permission for everything that you do, it's very time consuming and it's costly because you're going to be in court a lot asking for permission. Do you think it's more costly than an independent? Definitely. Really? Yes. Oh, wow. It's I definitely the opposite. It's definitely more costly because you've got your attorney who's right. filing applications and appearing in court and notifying everybody. So there's a lot more work all the way around for but a dependent administration. But at the same time, your bases are also more covered. Your bases are covered, and you need that if you're dealing with a troubled estate. Which I, I, and a in, lot of and you're serving sure as the, yeah. the personal representative. You Yes, you need that intervention. <laughs> So, and there are other ways, um, you know, there are other ways to probate an estate, particularly if it's a small estate. Um, And sometimes if there are no creditors, you don't have to do an administration. You can do what's called immunement of title. Immunement of title. Yes, which is a legal process that's specific to the state of Texas. And it's a very efficient and streamlined way to probate a will. And you can do it as long as there are no creditors of the estate. So if someone dies and they leave a few small bills, you can pay off those small bills yourself, one of the beneficiaries can, and then proceed to probate the will as a muniment of title and get an order that will allow you um, access to any property that belongs to the estate but is in the possession of a third party. Basically, the order will say that that third party has to turn over the property to the person who filed the application, and then that person distributes it to the beneficiaries. Right. So that's one option. That's real quick. Um, you don't have to notify creditors because, of course, there aren't any. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, any unique, any unique yes. scenario, yeah. Yes. You can also do um, a small estate affidavit. That's exactly what I was going to ask next. Yeah, a small yes, estate affidavit. Yes, we were thinking alike today, mm. Zach. You and I are on the same page. <laughs> <laughs> so you can file a small estate affidavit. You can use that process if the decedent died without a will or if they died intestate. And if the value of the estate is is not more than $50,000, 
that would exclude the homestead and any exempt property, then you can use this process. Um, there's no application to appoint an administrator, and at, you have to wait at least 30 days from the date of death of the decedent before you can file this application. Oh. And basically, you file it with the court. Um, the judge reviews it. If the judge approves it, then you get an order and the heirs may use the affidavit to collect assets of the estate. So that's a streamlined version when the estate doesn't have a lot of money. So that's two streamlined versions. One, if you have a will, you can use the muniment of title. If there's no will, you can use a small estate affidavit. You can also use what's called an affidavit of heirship. Um, that has to be on record for five years or more in the deed records of a county where property is located. But if you execute an affidavit of heirship, most title companies will recognize it, even if it hasn't been on file for five years, they'll still recognize it to transfer property um, or to transfer title into a beneficiary's name. Well, so. Kathy, thanks for God, thanks for taking the time to sit down and talk to me about this You're stuff. Welcome. Every week I feel like I learn more and more. <laughs> it's 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 nuts. Yeah, it's it's a it can be a very involved process. That's why you have to get an attorney to go through the probate process. You can't do it by yourself. Um, the law requires that you hire an attorney to represent you because you're representing other beneficiaries. So um, it's really important to consult with an attorney, find out what's the best option for your particular circumstances. Join us next time with It's the Law with Kathy Rue. And we're going to talk some more about estate planning, probate, guardianship, elder law, all that good stuff. You name it, we'll be here. Yes. (laughs) You're listening to RNCN, the digital destination for premium talk radio. What if you got rewarded for every good decision? What if your heart had a special way of letting you know it appreciates your healthy choices? I've got to get my family to eat more vegetables. Amazing! And instead of cooking with butter tonight, I think I'll saute our veggies with a heart-healthy oil. You're a genius! So really, would your food choices pay off in heart health? Did you know that when you replace bad fats with healthier fats, like those in canola or other vegetable oils, it can lower bad cholesterol levels, and that's good for your heart. Here's a winning idea. Take up the challenge for good health, because the you of the future will say, Fantastic! Learn more at heart.org slash face the fats. Canola Info proudly supports the American Heart Association's Face the Fats campaign. RNCN, the digital destination for premium talk radio. With all the crazy weather in Texas, you never know when Mother Nature might strike. There's hail, tornadoes, floods, fire, hurricanes, and so many more. When tragedy strikes, we all need someone to turn to. John Irwin is a licensed and bonded public insurance adjuster right here in DFW and has a stellar reputation as the guy you can count on for all your claim adjustment needs. John is the man you need when the unpredictable occurs. John can handle just about any weather damage you can think of and more. From hurricanes to water leaks, from lightning to vandalism, John Irwin can help. Don't wait. Give John a call today at 972-372-4990. 
That's 972-372-4990. Or visit us online at insurance911claimspecialist.com. That's insurance911claimspecialist.com. I'm a third grade teacher. I'm a school bus driver. I am a parent. I am a teacher's aide. And I agree to be identified as a caring adult who pledges to help bullied students. I will listen carefully to all students who seek my help. And act on their behalf. To put an immediate stop to bullying. I will work with other caring adults to create a safe learning environment for all the students in my school. In my school. In my school. In my school. I'm Dennis Van Roekel, President of the National Education Association. Help us create safe, bully-free learning environments for all students. One caring adult can make all the difference. Be that adult and take the pledge at nea.org slash bullyfree. Adults have the power to stop bullying in our schools. It starts with me. It starts with me. It starts with me. It starts with me. Bully-free. It starts with me. Visit nea.org slash bullyfree. A message from the National Education Association. You're listening to RNCN, the digital destination for premium talk radio.